This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Please, this morning to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. And it's a very short psalm, so we'll just read the 11 verses together. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. And as for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me, Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Particularly verse 5 and 6. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Psalm 16 is a remarkable and a memorable (coughs) Psalm of David. It is subtitled subtitled a miktam Psalm. And the word miktam, although we're not exactly sure what it means... Uh, Some scholars say it means golden, a golden psalm. Others say it means engraved or inscribed. Still others say it means veiled or hidden. And so it could mean all of those three things, a golden psalm with veiled meaning that is permanently inscribed to stand forever. It's a beautiful psalm. There are other five Miktam Psalms in Psalm 56 to Psalm 60, six in total. All of them end on a very positive, upbeat note. This is a very personal Psalm of David, and it's also a very prophetic Psalm. David, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, began to speak prophetically about the Lord Jesus Christ, who was to come, verse 9 and 10. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol or the place of the departed dead. You will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Particularly that last phrase, because in the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter, he picks up in this. You remember that great sermon he preached, which was just peppered with scripture. And talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead. In verse 25, for David says concerning him, 
I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. So he's quoting from Psalm 16. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, which is the equivalent of Sheol in the Old Testament. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me, sorry, you will make me full of joy in your presence. And then in order to show those who were listening uh, that David was really prophetically speaking about Christ, he says, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, now we don't normally think of uh, David as a prophet, but actually, whenever you read the Psalms, you'll see it's full of prophecy, prophetic statements that David made. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. And then the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 13. Uh, Paul here is speaking in the synagogue and again sharing about Christ and talking about, of course, uh, his resurrection. And verse 30, but God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers, God has fulfilled for us his children. In that he raised up Jesus, as is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. And that's Psalm, sorry, that's Isaiah 55 and verse 3. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, which is Psalm 16, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore, let it be known unto you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. Glory to God. And so this Psalm 16 is a very prophetic psalm. And although David is writing this psalm from his own personal predicament and problems that he's facing at that time, yet the Holy Spirit inspired him, as it were, to go off script and then prophetically speak of David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ, which was to come. However, as much as I would love to spend the rest of this message focusing on those prophetic parts that imply Christ, I want now to draw your attention to verse 5 and 6, referring to his own personal situation. And let's see if we can get some encouragement for ourselves for our journey of faith in Christ. O oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. 
when David was just a shepherd boy, you remember how Samuel the prophet went to his home and how God sent him to anoint one of the sons of Jesse to be king and how Jesse brought all of his sons out from the eldest, all his sons before Samuel and God says, it's none of them. Have you any more sons left? Yes, the boy David, just a lad. Bring him here. God said, he's the one. He's the one to anoint to be king over all Israel. God was bypassing Saul's kingship. And king knew it. the king knew this, Saul knew this, because Samuel told him that God had finished with him as, as king over Israel. But yet he would not relinquish the throne. He held on to it. He fought to keep that throne from David. And on more than one occasion, he tried to kill David. Literally tried to kill him. He was insanely jealous. And David, on a couple of occasions, had the opportunity to kill him, literally to kill him. One time in a cave, whenever Saul went in to relieve himself. These were massive, massive caves. And in the dark there, David sneaked up and cut a, a piece off his skirt, as it were, to let him know later, look, I had you in my hand. I could have killed you, but I didn't because I still respect you as king, but I didn't kill you. Now, remember that whenever Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, how that they had to subdue their enemies and had to take city after city. And then that they would divide up the land and so that the whole land would be an inheritance to all of the tribes of Israel. And they would mark out and map out Areas depending on the size, obviously, uh, of, the, of the tribe. Some were bigger than others, so obviously some had bigger territory than others. But it was, in a sense, mapped out, marked out, in a sense, lined out. <coughs> and David said, your lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. And so, obviously, this not only was for each of the tribes... But for the families and the clans within that tribe, it was also marked out for them. So every single family, every one of them, would have a piece of land as an inheritance. Their lines were drawn out uh, for them. So there was boundary marks that they knew, this is my inheritance, this is my land. Actually, it was God's, but he was, they would be stewards over it. And so David's tribal lot would include Bethlehem and the surrounding area and much more than that. That's what he meant when he said, the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. I have a good inheritance. One day, all of Israel would be his lot, would be his land where he would be king over it. But at the moment, this insanely jealous vindictive Saul is keeping him from that throne. And here he is. He's no longer enjoying the pleasant places that God had for him. He's hiding in the caves and dens of the mountains, hounded and dogged by Saul. What is he going to do? He will remind himself that God is his portion, that God will maintain his lot. O Lord, verse 5, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. Now, God has granted each and every one of us, his children, an inheritance. He has drawn our lines in pleasant 
places. His plans for us are good, wonderful. In fact, time alone will not be sufficient to fulfill all of God's plans. That's why Psalm 23, David puts this another way. He says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Lord, you have drawn a line around the time of my life here on earth. And it's good and it's pleasant. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, even forever you have drawn a line around my life as my inheritance. And he has done that for you and he's done that for me too. But just like David in this story, both of us, all of us, are facing a jealous and vindictive Saul. The evil one who lost his first estate, who hates God's children, who will do everything he possibly can to keep us from our inheritance. That's what he does 24-7. And he's passionate about it. But thank God our lines have been drawn on pleasant places. And God will maintain our lot. Now I want you to notice here that David declared in such a time, and he declared the language of faith. Samuel had long since anointed David king. Long since. No Saul could stop it. No man could stop it. No devil out of hell could stop it. No demon could stop it. He would be anointed king over all Israel. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. When God maintains your lot, it is in safe hands today. It's not the kingdom of God. It's, It's not like the Bank of England that can go bust. It's not like a business that can go to the wall. It's not like a government that can be voted out of office. God's kingdom lasts forever. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and forever. Amen. Of this, you can be confident today. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Why? Because he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the author. He's the finisher of your faith. He will maintain your lot. The lines have fallen onto me in pleasant places. Notice in verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Now I want you to notice something here. Because this may be the position you're in today. Although at this time he is removed physically from his pleasant places, he is not removed spiritually from his pleasant places. And even though the enemy of our soul may press us sore, and even though he may be temporarily preventing us from enjoying our pleasant places physically, materially, but we're not separated spiritually from our pleasant places. And there was David. 
His present circumstances would, of course, want to mock him, bring fear and doubt into his mind. Everything in the natural looked a lost cause. He's out of favor with men. He's in exile hiding. He's a fugitive on the run. His lines are no longer seem to be in pleasant places, but he refused to believe it or accept it. Lord, you maintain my lot. I still have my inheritance in pleasant places. At the moment, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't seem like it. But it is. It's genuine. It's real. You see, he's speaking the language of faith here. What was his secret? How could he maintain this confidence and this belief? Because all of us will be faced and are maybe being faced right now with a similar situation. Where we don't feel we're in pleasant places. Where we don't feel that what God had promised us is actually happening right now. But David says, Oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Notice the emphasis, you are the portion of my inheritance. He loved the Lord more than he loved the land. The land was beautiful. It was pleasant. The lines were drawn. One day it'd have the whole land. But his focus today, right now, at this moment, is on the Lord. The Lord was more important than the land. He loved the giver more than his gifts. He loved God's presence more than his possessions. And sometimes that's all you have left. Him. His presence. Knowing him. Right at the moment his circumstances beyond his control has denied him the joy of being in those pleasant places. But regardless, his first concern was the Lord was his portion. The Lord would be his cup that his thirsty soul would drink from. And he rejoiced in that. Remember what he said in Psalm 23, 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over in the presence of his enemies in a difficult, tight spot, in a tricky situation. He could still say, my cup runs over because I'm drinking from the cup of the Lord. <laughs> so right now, you may, you may be enjoying those pleasant places. And if you are, wonderful. I rejoice with you. Thank God if you are. It's wonderful for you today. The skies may be blue. The birds may be singing. Everything's fine. Everything's a-okay. Wonderful. But there again, you may not be in that position. What of your circumstances right now are dictating differently? What if the enemy of your soul is mocking you today? What if your circumstances are bitter, not sweet, are hard, not easy? Any Christian ever been there? Of course we have. We're not shielded from every difficulty in life. Because how would we trust the Lord if we were? 
And so what are those pleasant places that you feel you should be enjoying? What right now are there pressure places? If you feel I'm under the cosh, I'm pressured, I'm stressed. What if, like David at this point in this psalm, there's not much in the natural to rejoice about? <laughs> David, at this point, didn't have much to rejoice about in the natural. It seemed everything was against him. The very king of Israel wanted to kill him. I was hounding him all over the place. Things were tough. It seemed far from what God had promised him. Even all those years ago that he hid in his heart that he knew. But right now, circumstantially, it doesn't look like it. It would seem it's never going to happen. Maybe that's you today. So then you need to remind yourself of three things. I have set the Lord always before me. Huh. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. What a declaration. <laughs> Nothing he could see in the natural would encourage him to say that. But he was looking in the spiritual. And by faith, he made a declaration. I shall not be moved. Everything was trying to move him from what God had promised him. But he says, I'm not going to be moved. And Acts 20. The Apostle Paul here. speaking to the Ephesian elders just before he left. He said, verse 21, testifying to Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that the chains, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. But none of these things move me. I wish I could stand here and say today that in my journey as a believer that I was never moved. But I have to hold my hands up and say, yes, there were times when I was moved. There's times when the pressure was on and I didn't like it. And I was moved. But thank God I moved back again. Thank God it was short-lived. Thank God in my heart I knew that God was maintaining my lot. That he was my portion at the end of the day. Secondly, he says, Lord, you maintain my lot. You are in control of my inheritance. In Psalm 31:15, David says, "My times are in your hands, 
the Lord. Not in men's hands. Not in the devil's hands. Not in circumstances' hands. Not in this world's hands. My times are in your hands, Lord. Lord, you maintain my lot. And if God maintains your lot, it is going to be well maintained. God has got a vested interest in every single one of us. He invested the very blood of his son in us. There could be no greater investment in life than the blood of the son of God. And if he invested that much in us, then surely what he has promised our inheritance, he will give it to us. He will keep it intact for us. Lord, he says, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. It's interesting what David said in the way he phrased this. Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. See, although David was a king, I, I think in his heart, he really would have loved to have been a priest. And of course, in the Old Testament, you could only be a priest or a king, but you couldn't be both. Except if you're the one in the Old Testament, Melchizedek. But other than that, that was your lot. You're either a king or you're a priest, but you couldn't be both. But I think in his heart of hearts, because of the things he said, Johnny in his time of worship quoted from one of the Psalms. And David says, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Now this is the man, this is the man who had a palace This is a man who had inherited the whole country. This is a man who had a beautiful palace he would live in. And yet he says, I would rather spend it in the courts of the Lord. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness, he says. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. And so in his heart of hearts, I think he envied the priests because the priests could spend so much time in the house of the Lord, serving the Lord because the Lord would be their portion. You see, in dividing up the land among the tribes, the Levites did not inherit any land. What was given to them was 48 cities and about a thousand cubits around the city where they could keep their cattle and their beasts to feed their families. And these 48 cities were scattered the length and breadth of the land. God was scattering the priests all throughout the land that spiritual influence that was to be, the teachers of the law that was to be. He was scattering throughout the land to bless the land. And those who worked then, who would work in the temple as they worked in the tabernacle, whenever they would bring sacrifices to the Lord, part of that sacrifice they would eat. Even the table of showbread, when it was changed every Sabbath day, then those loaves that had been used, the priests would eat them. And so there was a portion for them that was kept for them. 
Not the whole land. They would not be encumbered with the whole land. By the way, out of those 40 cities, there were six of them called cities of refuge, which they were in charge of, where somebody who kills somebody, perhaps accidentally, could run to a city of refuge and run from the avenger of blood who was out to kill them and get into that city, and then the priest would officiate and listen, in a court sense, listen to what they had to say. But as for everything else, as far as the priests were concerned, the Lord was their portion. Their job was to serve the Lord continually, faithfully, all the time. That was their calling to do that. And I think David would have loved to have been in that position because he loved the house of God. He loved to be in the presence of God. And so I think it was David's priestly heart that was saying, Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance. Lord, I know I've got this pleasant land. I know I'm going to have the whole land. I know I'm going to have a palace. I know I'm going to have all of that there. But actually, Lord, I'd just be happy with you as my portion. As long as I have you as my portion, I'm happy. I would just be the priest. Just have a little but you is my portion. I thank God that the Lord has drawn for me lines in pleasant places. I thank God for the day and the hour when God sent me to hear and this would be my pleasant place. Oh yes, there has been times, there's been moments here and there, and it didn't seem pleasant. When it was tricky, when it was difficult, when you didn't know whether you're going to have it this week or next week. But by and large, for the greater part, I can honestly say, and I thank God for this pleasant place that God's lines has drawn for me. I would not want to be anywhere else. <coughs> and I thank God for my wife of 50 years, whom without, I couldn't have done this. And that is the truth of it, the reality. And you'll never know how much help and strength and comfort that she has been to me, particularly in the difficult seasons of life. <coughs> so I thank God that she is my pleasant place. And I thank God God gave me a daughter who is my pleasant place. Even though she's not in this land today, she's serving elsewhere. But I thank God for her. And I remind her frequently, and she laughs at me when I say it, a reminder frequently of what the, the lady said to Naomi when she brought back Ruth from Moab, she is better to you than seven sons. And she is better to me than seven sons. And I thank God for you and my friends in here and people who's behind me for all these years who has strengthened my hand in the work of the Lord. You are my pleasant places. 
And all of you have got pleasant places. And you need to sometimes just stop and think of the line that God has drawn around your life and, who's, and what is included within those lines because those are your pleasant places. And I guarantee if you stop and think, no matter how difficult life may be at the moment, if you just stop and think, there are so many pleasant places and pleasant people in your life that are a blessing to you. And so when I read this psalm and I see what David said, I can think about my own life and I can identify with that. Lord, you have drawn the lines in pleasant places. There's another little angle to this that I want to leave you with. These are boundary lines. Now, I don't know how they did them in those days. I don't know where they built stones. Like, if you drive down to Newcastle, you go into the morns, you see those stone dikes in the face. I don't know where they did that or whatever. They, they didn't have theodolites. They didn't have any fancy architectural things to do it with. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. And each of them knew what their lot was and where it was and where the boundary line was. And God has boundary lines for us that we shouldn't cross. He has boundary lines for this world that they cross continually. Boundary lines of purity that we shouldn't cross. But the world laughs at us. And they say, you're prudes. You're Victorian. You belong to those ancient past. We're free. We're liberated. We can do what we want with whomever we want, when we want. There are no lines in our lives. We're free. Sometimes you see about some of these celebrities and they die and they say about them how they, they, they were so fun-loving and free and so liberated and, you know, they, they, they had no boundary lines. And that's why their lives are such a mess because they think they don't need boundary lines. Listen, our children need boundary lines in our homes, don't they? If you don't set boundary lines for your kids at home, guess what? Somebody out there is going to set them. Somebody out there will set them for you. So we need to set them. We need to set boundary lines for our lives as young adults. When the pressure's on you to give in, when the pressure's on you to be like everybody, well, everybody's at it. No. If you're a young Christian, you shouldn't be at it. Save that for marriage, please. Don't cross that boundary line. It's for your own good. God sets boundaries for our good. And if we cross them, you see what happens when you cross them. It's true. God has boundary lines of righteousness and holiness and purity and integrity. Boundary lines. We're to stay within them. You know, when your child's small and you give it one of those little coloring books and you say, now, now darling, try to, try to keep within the lines when you draw that, when you, when you color that in. And they give it back to you and the lines is everywhere. And the whole page is just covering. Oh, that's beautiful, darling, that's lovely. You let them off because they're little ones. But when they get up a bit, you like to see how neatly they can keep within those lines. And then the picture is clear and you can see it. And they can see it. And then you can say, darling, that's wonderful. Look how well you did that. 
God sets boundary lines for every one of us to keep and not to cross. And when we do, it brings great blessing into our lives. When we do it his way, because he knows best, he created us, he knows what's good for us and what's bad for us. If we just listen and do it, no matter what the world's doing, the world's always going to do the opposite of God's word, always. <laughs> we stick to the word, we do it his way, God will bless us. And so his lines has fallen onto you in pleasant places. Glory to God. And enjoy those pleasant places. Think about them and thank God for them. Really thank God for them. Because they're yours to enjoy. The enemy's pressing you sore today. Remind him, God is my lot. He will maintain, he's my portion. He will maintain my lot. And I will enjoy my pleasant places. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.